Hi, my name is Matt Pullman, and welcome to episode eight of Missing Words. In this episode, we sat down with Mayor of Clarkson, Georgia, Ted Terry. Some of you out there might know him as the hipster mayor from his episode on last season's Queer Eye. In that episode, we are seeing a young, mid-30s mayor getting his resistance beard shaved off by the Fab Five. But that inspiring episode showed a mayor who was leading the charge for a diverse, immigrant-friendly community in the Deep South. Clarkson, Georgia itself is the most ethically diverse square mile in America. Ted Terry is the face of that welcoming, inclusive, and compassionate environment. When it feels like America has become the epitome of xenophobia and racism, and granted, these feelings didn't arrive on election night 2016, Clarkson, Georgia represents the true nature of this country. One that isn't afraid of change, or people with different religious beliefs, or people from different countries. Since the Queer Eye episode's premiere, Ted won re-election in 2017. How has his life changed since the Queer Eye bump? Did some of his fears expressed in the show about people causing trouble in his own town come to fruition? You know, to be quite honest, um, Clarkson had been receiving a lot of uh, attention uh, nationally and internationally because of uh, just being a, a, a town that had, had been resettling refugees for almost, you know, over 35 years. Um, and uh, so I think in terms of, you know, uh, the people who follow the migration and refugee issues, um, you know, Clarkson has gotten a lot of attention and been on, been on a lot of, um, I think, sort of um, uh, uh, panels and discussions about the best ways to be a welcoming community. Um, the one thing I will say about Queer Eye is that the audience is much broader, and I'm sure there's tons of people out there. I, I'm, I, I know because I've been receiving emails and Instagram messages from them, people all over the world who you know, probably just like the show or, or you know, sort of, um, you know, people who watch Netflix and maybe who aren't too tuned into the migration and refugee crisis that's happening around the world. But um, I think now that they've, you know, just got a little glimpse of, of Clarkston and a little bit of my life, um, I'm hoping that it's drawing more attention uh, to this, to when I keep calling it a crisis, because it really is a crisis. It's it's something that's gotten worse mm-hmm. um, just since I've become mayor. And uh, from all that I'm reading and hearing um, and um, getting reports on from the, the UN High Commissioner on Refugees and the International Organization for Migration uh, is that it's, it's, it's getting worse um, and has gotten worse every year uh, since, since the Syrian refugee crisis. We had a, we're in the middle of a governor's campaign right now. And way back in April, May of this year, there was a Republican candidate that was pretty far down in the polls, but he was pretty radical on on immigration and very derogatory towards um, how he refers to uh, how he refers to um, immigrants. And uh, he came to Clarkston, uh, calling us a sanctuary city. Uh, if anyone Google's Michael Williams and de- the deportation bus, there's lots of news coverage about what he did and um, what his message was. It was very Trump-esque. Um, referring to uh, illegal immigrants as criminals and drug dealers and rapists um, and that they needed to be rounded up. And so he he came to Clarkston with a deportation bus. Um, Thankfully, not too many of his supporters showed up. uh, And over, I want to say, 150 of, you know, supporters of Clarkston and the refugee and immigrant community showed up to welcome him uh, to the the city with the signs and um, that well, that were, you know, that uh, welcomed him to Clarkston. Um, we had one uh, 
one refugee whose mom uh, had homemade uh, made homemade baklava uh, to give mm. to him, and and he actually had some uh, homemade baklava right there in the parking lot of um, one of our shopping centers. Um, and so, you know, the, the he brought a message of hate and uh, I think of uh, a, a fear mongering. Um, you know, lumping all lumping one bad actor in was an entire group of people, um, which. Uh, you know, uh, hate comes in, in many different shades. Um, but it's, it's something that here, and then here in Clarkston, we have, I think, shown that, um, that the, the refugee and immigrant population have in fact contributed to a, a lowering of the crime rate, um, in, in, in the, the last several years. Um, that, that's, that's really been the worst of it. Um, for the most part, people who, um, who, who I think saw Clarkson on Queer Eye or have been here, here reading and learning our story, uh, they've been coming to to give back and to open their hearts and minds and to learn more and to be of service, whether that's a, a missionary project or, uh, you know, help, helping people learn how to, to, to speak English, um, mm-hmm. creating uh, job training opportunities, um, or just, you know, participating in the community um, and just being here and being a part of it. It feels like we are taking two steps forward and 19 steps back every single day in this country. It can feel like we have no place to direct your rage sometimes. But the political sphere is a calling for some people with the desire to bring change to our country and world. With the rise of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being one of the biggest examples, we are seeing a whole new motivated younger voting demographic getting involved in the face of Trump. The thought or even the leap into the political ring seems daunting, and rightfully so. For one, how do you combat this environment where the Republican Party doesn't trust women and feeds into blatant lies, conspiracy theories, and internet trollage? Ted Terry has been involved in politics for almost 17 years now, so his political activism isn't a recent development. But along with Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Pressley, and others, he serves as an example of how we can preach diversity, run on a progressive platform, but also reach across the table with a political opponent. It might seem like the world has turned to one big Make America Great Again hat. Clarkston, Georgia proves it has not. Yeah, I think there's some, I don't know, I've been working in politics for almost 17 years now. And, um, you know, you can, I think this day and age of politics, um, the, uh, nothing is, nothing is uh, certain. Nothing is, is for keeps. Uh, The Mm -hmm. pendulum you know, keeps swinging back and forth between the two parties. Um, and so, uh, you know, what I'm seeing here in Georgia is we have a great candidate, Stacey Abrams, who's running for governor, um, and she's running on a very, I think, practical, progressive platform. Um, she's not trying to pretend to be a Republican or, you know, a Republican light. Uh, she's running as someone who is saying that we're going to stand up for working people and that we're going to stand up for immigrants and we're going to try to bring people together because that's what makes us you know, uh, a stronger state. It's certainly what makes uh, a city like Clarkson stronger. I think that when people are have har- more harmony, har- harmoniousness uh, and, and harmony between um, their maybe different identities, uh, whether they're racial, religious, or, or ethnic, um, you, you then have more time and energy to focus on doing the work uh, and, and solving problems and ideas come out. Um, uh, of the of the space that you create with a welcoming and compassionate community, 
And so I think what you're seeing in Georgia is you're seeing sort of a moderating effect where there's a lot of people who are seeing the rhetoric out of uh, some of the Republican candidates who are being uh, – who are parroting what Donald Trump is saying. Um, and I think that um, the the electorate has a way of uh, of checking uh, one-party rule or extremist views. And so mm-hmm. I'm hoping it, it plays out. I'm hoping that uh, Georgia – you know, picks up some Democratic seats and we get a Democratic governor. It won't be an all in Democratic control. It'll be a split government with the legislature in control of the Republicans and the governor's office in control of the Democrat, uh, Democrats. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that you're, you're definitely seeing that here in the metro Atlanta region and I think in different parts of, uh, of Georgia. Well, I have not seen the level of mansplaining that has been uh, foisted upon um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, of course, she's also um, uh, in con- you know, running for Congress. And I- I've noticed that Congress tends to get all – really gets a lot of attention uh, when it comes to the trolls and the people who uh, – you know, have, have an opinion uh, on either side of the uh, the political spectrum. Um, so I think the virtue of me just being a small town mayor, you know, I don't think most people outside of um, Clarkston really could care, care to to troll me um, right. that much. I mean, I, yeah, everyone everyone gets their troll. Twitter is probably the the place where I think trolls thrive. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's. I think Twitter is generally the the place where dialogue goes to die. Uh, it's more of just a spectacle, I think, half the time. So um, that's it's not surprising that her being a young woman, being a Latina woman, that that right wingers and um, and people who uh, you know sort of have this the specter of of socialism turning America into Venezuela. I mean, they you know they're they're beside themselves and 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 their fear, and it just it comes out. I think an extreme mansplaining um, and just uh, really un- unequitable comparisons um, and saying that we could become like Venezuela. I mean, it just there's no basis in reality for these these claims. Um, but um, you know, that's that's the nature of, of the level of politics she's at. Um, of course, I will say in, in Clarkston, uh, I, I definitely have my local trolls um, right. who come to the council meeting and you know tell me that. Uh, this is not too many. This is a very small minority, but you know we'll have our our share of people who uh, you know have conspiracy theories, um, who um, who are derogatory towards refugees and immigrants, and make all sorts of speculative uh, comments about um, you know about them, and uh, you know so it's, it's politics. It's, it's America. Yeah. You know you're gonna you're gonna get all you're gonna get all sides. Uh, when you know you don't, you know when you allow freedom of speech, people are people will exercise that. <laughs> oh yeah, well let me just say that I've learned a lot in my uh, my young age. Um, I used to engage the at least the local trolls, Clarkston, my first several years in office. Um, but you know I, I think there comes a point where you have to realize that um, you know that these uh, that some of these uh, these digital mediums, whether it's next door. Or Twitter, or even Facebook, uh, can really turn into a virtual cul-de-sac of, idi- of idiocy. Um, well, what, what I will say though is, engaging people in the real world, um, I think, has 
has um, mu much higher dividends towards understanding uh, and persuasion. You know, I think there's some things that people will say online that they'll never say to you in person. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the level of hostility that you feel from our president and and in you know in online uh, in online discourse, um, I don't think um, could happen in the in that in the same level of hyperbolic uh, uh, tension that um, that exists there. It wouldn't exist in the you know the, the physical town square. And so I think we have to we have to slot time, particularly if you're running for office or if you want to be involved in our political system. You've got to slot time in your week where you actually have a chance to go talk to real people face-to-face, eye-to-eye. A progressive measure that Ted Terry has led the charge on is the decriminalization of marijuana possession. This means treating possession as a minor violation and not something you will get locked up for. This also fights the discrimination that comes with these types of charges. Clarkson, in fact, was the first town in Georgia to decriminalize marijuana. Along with that, Terry has raised the town's minimum wage to $15 an hour and is frequently leading initiatives for renewable energy. These are initiatives that have worked on a local level, and in time, hopefully policies we can see work on a national level. However, to see this change, we must not shy away from progressive reform. We read so much about the millennial vote and how voters are not voting because they don't have a candidate talking about the issues that matter to them. This can be a tricky and sensitive subject in terms of truly showing a younger generation the importance of voting, but people like Ted Terry are not afraid to tackle these issues head on and show the youth vote that he is hearing their voices and opinions, no matter the political allegiances. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, when you usually, you know, studies show that voters vote uh, based on issues, um, and if you have a candidate that's not talking about the issues that you as a voter care about, then, yeah, it would not be surprising that someone would say, well, I don't really see a point in voting because they not even they don't even have a position on what I care about. And so, um, you know, really, you know, really just advice for candidates is to talk about issues that millennials care about. Um, and, you know, the two that come to mind that I think or I think pretty broad ranging um, across uh, millennial, you know, demographics, whether they're Republican or or Democratic millennials, um, is uh, is climate change and global warming. I think there's a lot of millennials who understand that we'll be living on this earth, you know, for the next 50 to 80 years, and we'd like it not to be, you know, three degrees hotter. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to keep the oceans from, you know. Uh, being acidified and losing all of our coral reefs and our fish populations, uh, you know, and wouldn't want to li live in a, in a society where or, uh, an environment where there's extreme weather events on a regular basis, costing billions of dollars uh, in tax money to build a more resilient infrastructure. I mean, these are all things that we're going to have to pay for and live with. Um, and then, two, I think criminal justice reform. I mean, it's amazing, you know, how many, like, even young conservatives that I've met who, when they heard that Clarkson was the first city to decriminalize marijuana possession, um, who said, yeah, right on. Like, it should be decriminalized. It should be legal. It should be medical. Like, we need to get past the war on drugs um, and start and start treating people, you know, more fairly and recognize that the, the justice system is, um, is, is, uh, is balanced against uh, young people of color um, and that it's because it is, it's, it's, 
I think, you know, cutting off the, the, the human potential that our society has. So it's a decriminalization, meaning it's a ticket-only offense. And so basically, um, in, in theory, in a technical sense, under the law, it's still a crime. It's just a $75 ticket with no arrest. Okay. And so in that aspect, you know, just like if you got a speeding ticket, you're not a criminal, right? So it's, it's been decriminalized in the sense that you don't get a record. You don't get a misdemeanor. Um, right. for Open container. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for, for us, it was, it was pretty straightforward. It was like, look, I mean, our officers need to be focusing on stopping real crime and by arresting. I mean, we were only arresting between 50 and 70 people a year for small amounts of marijuana possession. Um, but, you know, that was our, those are 50 to 70 trips to the, the local county jail that our officers could be patrolling or doing community policing during that time period. And, and then those are 50 to 70 people, um, mainly young uh, people of color, um, who didn't need to be arrested. They didn't need to get uh, a record. They didn't need to have that experience of being in jail for one, two, maybe three nights before they can get their bail money together. Um, you know, it's just something that you wouldn't, I don't think you'd want to wish on, on any of your friends or family. And so, um, for us, it was, as a council, it was pretty straightforward. It was a unanimous decision. Um, and to us, it was, it was mostly a criminal justice reform measure. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the next governor and legislature will move towards, uh, certainly decriminalization. Um, but I think ultimately we have to get to some form of medical, uh, marijuana that I think will, address uh, the opioid addiction crisis, as well as, you know, cut back on uh, the over-incarceration problem. Atlanta and Georgia's immigrant population has been steadily growing over the last few decades. According to the Georgia Budget and Policy Institute, nearly one in 10 Georgians today was born outside the United States, and one in five under 18 has at least one immigrant parent. Not to mention, Georgia is the perfect representation of how this is a beneficial thing for our country. Immigrants are business owners and entrepreneurs. Again, according to the Institute, undocumented Georgians contributed an estimated $352 million in state and local taxes in 2014 alone. Tell me again how building a wall is saving this country and not preaching racism. Georgia and Clarkson represent the spirit of this country. And in a part of this country where it seems like most people just assume that everybody is racist and ignorant too. Georgia, like Texas, is showing positive economic and social results from immigration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that I think you, know, you hear a lot in the, the alt-right um, movement is that, you know, immigrants and uh, refugees are, um, you know, there's so many of them coming to our country that they're going to just change America forever, and the America that we knew uh, will just will won't we won't better recognize it anymore. And I think you know that's just completely bogus. Um, I think you know in Clarkston, certainly it's a little bit more uh, unique, and you're going to have you know uh, you know you're going to have more uh, religious diversity and more you know ethnic diversity, and maybe you'll have some you know different you know different languages spoken um, in the schools or in the in the markets. Um, but the people are the same. Um, I think the bedrock of religious liberty and freedom of speech and freedom of expression, um, you know, the, the bedrocks of those, of those laws and those um, constitutional protections, I think mean that the spirit of America 
that we that we do love, one that allows us to truly be who we were meant to be, um, uh, will always exist as long as we have those protections. Um, and you know, it's 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 amazing because you know, even though Clarkson's fifty percent foreign born, um, and you know, the the community will have celebrations that maybe aren't the traditional ones that you'll see like in a small town, rural America, where it's just you know, all Christians, um, you still see the hallmarks of, I think, of an American community. You know, we celebrate the 4th of July. Um, we have a Christmas celebration where Santa Claus comes in on a fire truck and we sing Christmas carols and uh, the kids get their picture on Santa's lap and they get little goodie bags and um, and we'll have fireworks go off over the railroad tracks. Um, and, you know, I mean, we'll, you know, there's, there's, there's certain things that I think are, are, are common uh, shared experiences that um, that that new immigrants and new Americans um, are experiencing side by side, um, you know, people who are native-born Americans, and, um, and and the one thing that I, you know, I think if anyone who's ever known a family that is a, like a first or first and second generation family where you know mom or dad or grandma immigrated here years ago and worked really hard and you know did any kind of job they could do to support the family, we'll see that um, that, that story continues to uh, play itself out, um, you know, in places like Clarkson, which uh, is, you know, majority non-white. Um, but in terms of a cultural distinction, the the first generation really holds on a lot to sort of the old country, if you will. But the, the second generation, the, the kids and the young people, you know, in a lot of ways, um, look like any other typical American uh, born uh, teenager. You know, I mean, they're on Facebook, they're on Spotify, they're on Snapchat. Um, they're dressing like, you know, the whatever the popular dress is with the hairstyle, um, you know. And, and one thing that I think even, even though um, in this day and age, college has become so much more unaffordable and, and, and harder to get to, I think you're still seeing – uh, tremendous rates of of these young high schoolers who are uh, you know American and and uh, and new American that are going to college and uh, and are you know sort of charting this path to you know being the next doctors uh, that we need so desperately in this country for an aging population or you know engineers um, or welders. Um, or um, people who are innovators who are just, you know, trying to discover the next big thing. And so to me, you know, like, you know, America being the, you know, I think having that, you know, being the probably the the one country that has always been open to immigrants, um, that has been our biggest economic advantage to the rest of the world. I think that people who have, amazing ideas or amazing talents that were shunned or persecuted or uh, who had to flee their, their home countries uh, and were able to make it to, you know, to our country, um, I think are proving that that, that was a smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So many, so many, you know, first generation, second generation, uh, so many, so many uh, second and third generation friends that I have who are, you know, got a good friend who, Parents were Vietnamese refugees, and you know she's now um, uh, in a state house representative here in, in Georgia, and is one of the leading voices in in several um, in, in on women's rights and um, and you know refugee rights 
here in Georgia. Um, and she's, um, you know, a second generation, you know, immigrant. Um, and it's contributed a lot to our state. And it'd be, I think that if, if, if her parents had never come, I think that our state would be, would, would, uh, wouldn't be, uh, you know, as, as great, uh, as it is, as it is now with her. Even though he's involved in politics, Terry has to combat burnout too. Personally, I feel burned out just from reading the news all day, so I can't even imagine what it's like to take on the legion of faceless, dumbass trolls out there while handling mayoral duties. But in the face of that, he believes that taking care of yourself, mentally and physically and nutritionally, are the keys to staying sane in this day and age. As a politician and someone who works in politics a lot, it's, it's hard to... You can't completely unplug because you got to know what's going on. You know, I, I, I have to... I have to follow what, you know, Sean Hannity and Tommy Lauren are saying on Fox News because guarantee someone out in the public is going to repeat what they said. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to be blindsided when someone gives me some, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, extreme response about, uh, you know, refugees or marijuana reform or something. I need to know what the opposition is saying. So I am prepared to, you know, to make my arguments. Um, I think, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure conservatives do the same thing. They probably, I'm sure some conservative politicians are like, gosh, I gotta watch, I gotta listen to MSNBC. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. What's Rachel Maddow saying right now? Yeah. 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 But, um, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I gotta, like, I'm, I've been listening to NPR, you know, since I was in high school and, I've always considered myself the NPR candidate. Uh, the, you know, I feel like public radio, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, is the most objective source of news, um, information that I get. And so I think, you know, finding a, a news source that truly isn't, you know, that truly isn't, uh, you know, uh, sort of based on, on gotchas and that is like firmly rooted in, in, in investigative journalism that is investigated is, is interested in actually trying to find the answer because what I've discovered just being mayor is that policy making is so complex and so nuanced and, you know, getting the wrong fact or the wrong, uh, you know, context for something, uh, can completely change the way you develop a policy. Um, and, um, it's just, it's one of those things where I, I feel like there's a lot of, uh, Policymakers and politicians who are making policy based on bad information or on on information that is out of context, and so um, so you know you yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta find a way to, to 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 get you know news sources that are going to actually feed your curiosity and try to answer those questions and not just give you what you want to hear. Um, so that's number one, and number two, you know I always say you know I'm, I'm a nutrition major and that was my degree in in college, food science and human nutrition. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you hear it, you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times, but you got to have a good diet and you got to exercise. Um, so, you know, it's important to, you know, to eat good food and, you know, try to get your, your exercise in, whether that's a run, a walk, or, you know, I do CrossFit, uh, yeah. four, to five, four to five times a week. And, you know, that, that kicks my butt, you know, every, every time <laughs> I do it. Um, I usually walk away from a, a one hour process session sort of like, you know, like dazed and confused. Uh, uh, and then, you know, 30 minutes later, I feel fine. Cause I'm like, man, I just kind of like sweated out all my, all my, uh, all the toxins of stress and political 
you know, uh, a toxicity that I've had to encounter that day. Depending on when you are listening to this episode, the blue wave might or might not have happened. As I'm recording this, I, potentially like you, am staring at 538.com and the latest projections. It's easy to lose your mind doing this. The Democrats have won back the House or not. The Democrats might have lost the Senate or not. Or the right and the MAGA militia might have been inspired to come out and protect the Trump agenda. Regardless of whatever outcome, Ted Terry's story and Clarkson, Georgia should bring you some hope in these dark days. And yes, racism and xenophobia isn't something that happened in the last two years with Trump. However, places and story like Clarkson, Georgia can inspire us because they represent what America is. Donald Trump and his legion of dipshit Republican yes-men and followers can say all they want. Clarkson, Georgia is everything that makes this country great. And most importantly, this is a huge opportunity for the millennials to vote progress and work towards getting policies enacted, whether that's making college affordable, making healthcare affordable, keeping our country inclusive and immigrant-friendly, being pro-women's reproductive rights. There's so much on the table here. Apolitical behavior is just shameful. And so this is a huge opportunity for the millennial generation, which, you know, by the 2020 election will be the largest voting bloc in America. Um, you know, just the even though life expectancy is is growing um, uh, amongst our baby boomers, um, there's still a lot of them who are dying. And uh, that, that the baby boomer voting block uh, will no longer be the largest voting block by the 2020 election. So millennials have some tremendous power um, in terms of their numbers. Um, but you're not we're not going to win elections uh, just with millennial voters. We have to actually persuade our grandparents, our parents, and our, our right-wing uncles um, to, to, give, to give us a shot. Uh, I think you, you do that by, by confounding the stereotype of what a young person involved in politics is. Um, you show them that you're willing to commit the time and energy to listen and understand and to try to find common ground. Um, but, but also, and I think in Ocasio-Cortez's case, you know, to not, to not uh, exist in the same messaging frames that old politicians have put us in, um, that we have to change the narrative and put it in the context of what a future society needs to look like. Um, and so you, you don't, you don't, you know, you're, 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 you're respectful and listening to people, but you don't, you don't crouch down and bow down. You still have your principles. You still have your, the, your, 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 your strong beliefs. And I think that you can, you can have a, you can have both of those at the same time. Thank you so much for listening to episode eight of Missing Words. I want to thank Mayor Ted Terry for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to speak with us. You can follow Ted on Twitter at TedTerry1. That's Ted Terry and the number one. One way you can help the community at Clarkson is supporting their community center. You can visit them at ClarksonCommunityCenter.com. If by some chance you are listening to this and haven't voted, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your time. So please go vote like now, regardless of the midterms too. This is something that people died for. So even if you are listening to this close to 2020 or beyond, exercise your civic duty. This is such a scary and overwhelming time in so many ways. And regardless of what happens or happened in these midterms, I think it's important to make sure we are supplying funding and donations to organizations out there doing incredible work. Like the International Rescue Committee, the Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services, the ACLU, and so many more. 
please contribute what you can to these organizations. We'll have a bunch of links to some organizations we support in our show notes. We'll also include a ton of interesting articles we found that discuss the rise of the Atlanta suburbs and the surge in immigrant population in Georgia and its positive effects on the state. This can all be viewed on our site, missing-words.com. And per usual, please subscribe to the podcast through whatever platform you use to listen to us. Thank you for all your support thus far. We'll be back soon with episode nine of Missing Words. Thank you for listening.